Good morning and welcome to day four, number 103 with the man, Frank Scalish. The man with the boat. The man with the boat. The man with the trailer. The man (laughs) catching bass out of his boat. How does that feel to be able to say that, Frank? It feels very brand new. (laughs) It feels very new and exciting. Fill everybody in on, uh, we saw the Instagram post. Yes. And it, it appeared to be you in a functioning vessel breaking ice to catch either late winter, well, midwinter, midwinter where you are, midwinter, yeah, mid-winter. largemouth. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, let me tell you guys something. First of all, um, it's been a long time coming because nobody could figure out the problems with the outboard. And um, Todd, Todd, the, Hydromotive, my prop guy, had a, has a buddy of his that um, really works on the two strokes a lot. Uh, Fast Bass Marine um, by Lake Barkley, um, and uh, Tim's a good dude. And he said, "I think I can fix your problem." So you know, eight hours and fifteen minutes down the road, I go. I drop the boat off. I come back home. I said, "Call me when it's done." And, um, so he called, he contacted me the other day and said, I got it. It's a, everything's a, okay. It's perfect. Come and get it. Wow. And, yeah. So I, I went down there and I'm not going to bore you with all the logistics of what a lot of the problems were, but can, can you give them, us a truncated version? Cause I yeah. mean, we're Frank, we're vested at this point. We're this vested. Is, this is. <laughs> This is like that bad relationship that your friend keeps telling you the details about. At some point, <laughs> you, you just are like, "All right, I'm in this. This is a real life soap opera, and I'm gonna, I would, I gotta see it through now." So we've got, you've got a vested audience who wants to know how, how it, you know. Okay, so there was some issues in the fuel rails that he corrected. Um, there was issues with the compressor pump um, that he corrected. Uh, some of the issues were were actually on the manufacturing side of that compressor, um, but got it all fixed up, worked out, you know, three compressors later. Um, then uh, a new OEM lower unit put on it because the lower unit that I had purchased um, prior to that imploded. Um, it was an aftermarket. I, I should have known better. Um, imploded. So we got all that worked out fixed up um all the glitches are gone it starts you just you just touch the key look at it wrong yeah and it's you know it's ready to go um it's running good it's running right around with uh empty without my tackle i'm i'm over 75 uh with all my tackle i'm right around 72.973 uh, which is where I want it to be. Everything's good. So I, I, I took off and picked it up over the weekend and, and I was, I had some uh, lures I was finishing up. I did, I redid the, a bunch of road colors for all you guys. I did a dozen road colors. When are those um, going to, are those going to be out on lure net? Like, are those like, like yeah, colors yeah. that you're working on or just colors for you and Frankie? No, those are colors that are coming out. Ooh. Um, when yeah, are those coming out? Um, I, I can't give you the exact date right now because they're still being driven down to 
to to the plant. So um, they don't even have them yet. They should have them today. Actually, it should be they should get them today. That's kind of so, exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Now, some of the colors I, I, I'm fishing with already, obviously, um, because I always fish with the colors that I paint um, just to make sure they're up to snuff. Uh, and um, yeah, so so anyway, I picked the boat up. I got home and I was finishing up everything Monday. And I'm like, you know what? I got to go catch a fish. So Tuesday, I, I got up Tuesday and the, fu the funny thing is I, I got up at five o'clock and then I'm Ooh. like, I'm like, what am I doing? It's freezing out. Yeah. No. You know, I mean, we had unseasonably warm weather the last week, but there's still ice on a lot of the lakes. Well, there was, there's not any more now today, but we had ice out there and I'm like, man, I'm not going, I'm just going to. I shut the alarm. I went back to sleep. I woke up, made breakfast, piddled around the house for a little while. And I go, I better get going. If I'm going to go, I better go. By the time I got to the lake, it was, you know, like 11 o'clock. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> holy smokes. And I, and it was Valentine's day. So I told my wife I'd be home early so we could, you know, do the dinner thing. And um, so I fished for about two hours. And, uh, looks I like caught, you caught one too. Yeah. I caught about nine or 10 of them. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was, a, it was a, it was a little tougher than I thought it was going to be, but, but I, it wasn't that tough considering that I narrowed it down in two hours. You know what I mean? So yeah, hundred percent. And it felt good. Everything. Now I had not seen your boat with the motor, the, like I hadn't seen the, Hey, here's my boat pick. Oh, here, I got a boat pick. I wonder if I can do this. I'm sure you can. We'll make you big. But I had not seen it, but you it's a very sharp vessel, Uncle Frank. Well, I appreciate it. With that. the blue and the dark, and then you've got the blue. Yeah, there you go. And then you've got the blue in the Pro XS. Is that a new addition? The blue no, in the Pro no. XS that matches the hole? No, it's not a new addition. I got a better shot of that. No, it looks good. That's a that's a sharp looking boat. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's actually, um, I get a lot of compliments on it. It's, I bought it used, so it's not, it's not actually the colors that I would, let me see if maybe that's, it's not actually the colors. Yeah, that I, I, uh, I guess yeah, if you were to, if you were to, to describe that to an iTunes listener, it's kind of like a Duke blue devil's blue. Right. And it's actually, uh, the blue is actually blue metallic. So it, it's blue with blue metallic in, in the stripe, in the pinstripe. Um, and then, of course, um, my main legend stripe is white, and then my hull is black. Uh, the, the top of the boat, the boat cap, let me see if I got, I should have one here. I know I did. Maybe, I, yeah, there it is. So the top cap looks like, like, like that. There you go. Wow, do you like uh, wet sand that and stuff to keep? I mean, because the boat's ten years old. Yeah, the boat's in '09. So, so basically, realistically, what I do, the truth of the matter is, is I I uh, speed wax it every single time I take it out of the water. No, you don't. I do too. You're one of those guys. No, I'm not one of those guys. I became one of those guys with this boat because um, what I realized is that because the boat is old and it had been wet sanded rubbed and buffed yep 
but I don't know how many times the guy previous to me did that. So I'm petrified to do it again because uh, you don't want to go too deep, right? You don't want to go too deep. So, okay. What do you use speed wax wise? Cause I, I, I know this is what a lot of guys are wondering. Like, what is, what do you do? Is there a product that I can look up? Yeah. And I can't believe I can't even remember the stupid name of this stuff. Frankie turned me on to it. It's unbelievable. It's, um, well, for the next week or two, it's a, it's a blue bottle. Hold on. Uh, is it Lucas oil? Slick. Yes. Mist? Lucas oil, slick mist. Um, best stuff in the world. That is by far. I do it on all, all the black rubber, the black plastic, the entire boat, my trailer, everything. Oh, trailer. We'll get into the trailer next too. Hold on. I'm trying to, trying to pull this up here. Slick mist. Yeah, Frankie turned me on to that, and that was a blessing in disguise. I literally buy, I buy that stuff six bottles at a time. So what happens with that? That's yeah, it. That's it. Lucas Oil Slick Mist. So what happens with that stuff is when you put it on your boat and you wipe it off the boat, okay, um, the next, when you go in the water, you don't get a lot of that scum line. And then if you do, truthfully, you could wipe it off with a damp rag. Hmm. And it comes right off. No water spots, no nothing. Now, what are you using a micro uh, microfiber? Yeah. Just You yeah. just get by a big pack of microfibers at like an auto zone or something. You throw exactly. them in a box with the slick mist and then you just spend five right. minutes, wipe the thing down after every time. Every time, um, All right, I, that's I, not as that's not psychotic. No, it's I'm not I'm not Charlie Hartley, you know where I, you know, uh, armor all the inside of my mm -hmm. wheel wells on my truck and stuff like that. I'm not that I'm not that anal about it, but um, I do keep it clean all the time, always. I just I'm just nervous. I want it. I want to. I want to wet sand it and buff it so bad but i'm petrified yeah you don't want to you don't want to get down to the quick i'd be like doing your nails too much and then all of a sudden they're like hey you got no you got no nails left you need to quit doing your nails right well the thing is is if i if they t you get down to the metal flake you're screwed yeah um so i'm not doing it I, i'm just not so i have to keep it clean but then i but then you know i had uh, rust spots developed on the trailer um and then I got holes in the trailer, but I didn't like where the holes were because they were up by my tongue where the triangle part is. Mm -hmm. So I called my brother. Um, you know, he sold his body shops. Now he's got an off off road shop that he started F and D off road um, <laughs> in Seoul in Ohio. But because uh, he's a you know, he's a truck dude um, anyway. And so I said, John, can you can you look at my trailer, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, bring it up here Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So yesterday I brought it up there and I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting ready to leave town. So I need to uh, get this thing done, dude. How, what are we looking at? He goes, oh, we'll, we'll do it today. So we went in there and um, I'm, you know, I'm very cautious about, I don't want my trailer to crack in half on the road. So what we did was, I'll just show you the triangular piece we cut out by the tongue of the boat. Okay. We cut, we cut that out. Okay. And then basically replaced it 
looks brand new. Yep. It's brand almost new. like he's got a body shop. It's almost like he knows what he's doing, right? Yep. And so, you know, and, and I used to work for him at his body shop too. And, and, uh, you got to realize something, man, we, cause we were crawling on the ground on the, the concrete floor, mm-hmm. kneeling down, crawling around there. We got the grinders going. We're trying not to burn the wires. I got cardboard taped up all underneath the bottom of the boat. So I don't get the metal mm-hmm. chips burning into my fiberglass. We did all that and, and, you know, I'm holding the wires up and he's grinding and there's sparks flying and and I'm laughing. I'm laughing my ass off. I'm like, dude, I'm not built for this crap. I I could, it took me two minutes to get off the ground. My knees hurt so bad from kneeling on the counter. That's funny. Uh, Yeah. But you know, we got, uh, I want to go because there's a lot of people are talking about the, still talking about the, uh, how you take care of your boat after every time. So I got turned on to the Lucas oil stuff uh, because every time you get the the new bass cat, they give you a pack of the Lucas oil mm-hmm. stuff in the boat. Now I also use, and I've no, we've no, neither of us have any affiliation with None. any of us. This is strictly on what the hell works and what we're and what I'm using. Yeah. Lucas oil, a plus the other thing that's a plus, And I'll tell you the only reason I bought it, cause this stuff is kind of expensive is because Josh Bertrand uses it, and I really like Josh Bertrand. That, and it, what? That's a testament. Yeah. To Bertrand. <laughs> yeah. It's the okay. It's the boat bling hot sauce. Oh, okay. So that gets like water spots. It smells amazing. It's it does a really 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 good job. And then when you're done with the hot sauce, you come back and hit them with the quickie sauce. And it dries in like a little bit of a haze. And then you go back with the haze and wipe it and it, bam, pops. Oh, I'm going to try that stuff. Yep. But the the hot sauce is what you use after it gets. See, Jordan says it smells bad. I think it smells amazing. See, I I think I think I would huff this stuff. Yeah, I think the Lucas stuff smells amazing. Yeah. So you hit him with the hot (laughs) hit him with the hot sauce afterwards. After you get off the water, that gets the water spots. It, it protects the wax, doesn't strip anything, and then and then you nail them with the uh, quickie sauce. Available on omniafishing.com. Perfect. You could order Perfect. it before one today and have it in your hands by the next day. Yeah, I'm writing it down right now. Uh, it says offering the same quick protection as traditional paste wax with the fraction of the time. Perfect for fiberglass painted surface and detailed. It's a blend of Montan wax and sealant. Fast drying with a haze, uh, classic haze, waxy haze during application. Surface protects for months. Perfect. Look at that. There you go. Outstanding. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's so that was kind of the thing. I do have a correction. Okay. Um, I, I made a mistake at the last show. Um, oh, the you were. I've never seen someone so tore up over an eighth of an ounce in my life. Well, yeah, because <laughs> it makes a difference. And I, what I had my jig box here. And for those of you that don't understand what goes on here, all the windows are taped off in here. And when I have the box laying down there, it's dark where the where my jig box was, and I have every every compartment has just a. A, a label on it that says 
you know, one half, five sixteenths, seven sixteenths, you know, nine sixteenths, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And um it was the uh the football jig, the jewel football jig was a nine sixteenths, and I inadvertently said five sixteenths. Um, so I wanted to correct that because it was driving me crazy. Because I because I'm telling you, you're bouncing this thing on the bottom, and then you guys are gonna get the five sixteenths, and you're like, the damn thing never hits the bottom. <laughs> so. All right. Uh we're going to be taking questions today for uh, day four with Frank Scalish. Um, so if you have a question, get it in the instant feedback. We'll we'll ask it. I understand there's probably a lot of you guys with split screens. Uh, we have the BPT going on at the same time and day one of the Bassmaster Elite Series. Perfect. Uh, that being said, <laughs> that 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 being said, get your questions into Frank. But before we get into it. Without without going the political route, what in the hell is going on with that? And how close is that to your house? Okay, that is on the Ohio River by Pennsylvania, Ohio border near uh, Steubenville. It's actually in uh, East Palestine, Ohio. Um, and what happened was there was – now, you guys got to understand something. I, I – I did not report on this thing. I, yeah, but you're just an Ohio person. So, I mean, right. it's, basically there's a chemical spill on a train that deal, right. and now it's like Stranger Things in Ohio. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stranger Things. I, start, I couldn't get through that. But anyhow, um, 150 cars derailed. 20 of those 150 had hazardous materials on them. Um and and basically one of the axles broke and then of course all the cars derailed after that anyway um it, it there were 20 cars with there 20 of the train cars had hazardous material on them um it's which started to burn um and so they were petrified that it was going to you know have this mass explosion so what they did was to prevent this uncontrolled explosion and then god knows what happens to everything um i guess they tr dug a trench around the place and then they opened up some of the cars and let the chemicals drain in the trench and then they lit the trench on fire um to give and that's it a, what you're seeing there right to give it a controlled burn um so so it wouldn't you know cause untold amounts of damage with an explosion so i guess the epa um <laughs> the epa said they tested and haven't detected any levels of concern mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. i'm uh i you know i'm not a conspiracy kind of guy but there was a lot of chemicals not to be concerned about. so that being said one yes. knocker exclusive color still available on lurenet.com <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and speaking about that remember that btl capital btl oh yes 100. yes yes what are you laughing at <laughs> because you, you, we you go not from like that transition we go from <laughs> massive trend <laughs> listen you reported on the news and you were a couple sentences away from there was nothing else you could say about it. So I got you out of the situation. Well, actually, you dealt with I, it. what else actually, did you want to say about actually, it? Actually, I have some uh, some of the surrounding streams and the fish kills. Oh, no. 
yeah. So anyway, so uh, we'll go. We'll get into that. So BTL capital <laughs> capital BTL one hundred till June thirtieth, fifteen percent off. Okay, on LureNet.com. Hold on, let me edit this. Use code capital BTL one hundred at LureNet.com to get fifteen. 15% off till June 30th. That was part of our uh, day 100 promotion for, to, you know, for you guys being uh, loyal listeners and watchers okay. of the show. Hold on. Save show. Is that correct? Yep. That's Whoa. perfect. You sounded like that dude who used to do all the commercials before. Do you remember that guy who was the fastest talker in the world and he would do all of the disclaimer oh, yeah, stuff at yeah, the end? I do. I do remember Can you do that, that again? Do that I one know. more time. That was impressive. Dude, that was the fastest <laughs> I've ever heard anyone actually talk, Frank. I'm not kidding. Did anyone else catch that or was that just me? <laughs> Use BTL code 100 at Lurnet.com to get 15% off. <laughs> Dude, you you could be a sketch artist and and a, a disclaimer reader okay perfect if this so, <laughs> if this paint, painting and design thing doesn't work out for you well so far it's it's working out so we're gonna stay in this we're gonna stay down this road all right <laughs> so anyhow so so of course you know the epa comes out and says hey nothing to see here um which i don't by for a minute there's a stream bed that ran through this area and um unfortunately it drains right into the ohio river um that stream they they had 3500 uh fish killed in that stream after the plume went up um that's not good the only the only there's no good things about this but a, a bright side of this is the farther this stuff leaches down the stream, the more diluted it becomes and the less of an impact it has. So chances are by the time it actually gets to the Ohio, um, it'll be diluted enough not to be so detrimental. Um, you know, that's that if that's if that's a positive, I don't know if it is or isn't. Um, and again, these are not. This is what I garnished off of news reports. Uh, it's not my personal opinion. It's what I garnished off the news reports. Um, quite frankly, I I have opinions about this stuff, but accidents do happen. Um, what are you going to do? You got to make Talk the about best bass fishing for the next. That's half what hour. we're doing. That's exactly All what right. we're doing. Um, we're talking about. I, I bass. had I've had several emails. There's also someone on the instant feedback who was talking about it. And it has to do with skirts. You did a football jig episode last week, yeah. Frank, and you talked about how you had your skirts separate. Correct. Can you go into what is it a question? How you build the skirts, what you're using as the collar of your skirt, the best way to okay. to figure out because I so I know it's easy to do. It's very easy. But I also know that if you don't know how to do it, you don't know how to do it. Because I don't know how to build a skirt. I've watched right. it done with the tabs and all that stuff and what you order. Right. But can we spend either an entire show where you – can you do something right there where you like actually yeah. build skirts during the show? Oh, yeah. I could put my my fly tie-in vice right here. All right. I can do everything right in front of you. Okay. Is that um, – can we, can we do that for a show then? Yeah, we can. We're going to do skirt building. Skirt building 101. Yep. Um, so here, that's a great thing. 
Um, so, so let me write that down so I don't forget. And then, okay, so what I what I use is I always use the mouse ear collars. Um, it, it's a little ring with two little mouse ears on it that can incorporate a rattle if you mm -hmm. choose to have a rattle. Um, always use those because they're not that much more expensive. We're talking, you know, not tenths of a cent more money than a regular, just a regular circled collar. And I always use the mouse ears because I always want the option rattle no rattle i don't like sticking my rattles into soft plastics because it changes the action of the soft plastic that hangs behind the bait um and i don't like to stick them in the soft plastic when i'm putting them on a jig uh, parallel to the hook shank into soft plastic because a lot of times the bass crack the rattles uh, okay so so i like the plastic rattles that go into the mouse ear collars now when i'm making my jig skirts um, you have to be very cognizant of how much material you are using because too much material will do several things to your jig. A, it will slow the fall rate down a lot, and B, it will also hamper the action of the, the skirt material. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want it, you, you don't want that. You, you want to make the jig, I'm going to say sparse, but not truly sparse in a lot of situations so what i try to do is i use about two tabs two two and a half tabs um and that's how i do it now i do a lot of layering effects and i mix the rubber up together um so i can get very modeled looking skirts mm -hmm. um and i can show you that when we do the show i'll show you <laughs> tricks with painters tape um, how to make life real easy for you. Um, and then great I'll question. show. Yeah. That's a great question. Great suggestion by the listener. Yeah. I love it actually. Show and tell. Well, what, what it's going to do is it's going to give you guys a, a, a little more versatility and skirt choices, uh, but understand this. There's, there is gobs and gobs of beautiful skirts on the market today, just because of wow just because of the advancements they made in, in that skirt material technology. Um, you know, um, I'll, I'll get you brand names of skirt material too. Um, for that I like show. it because I need to add that to my arsenal this year, whether it's, you know, traveling yeah. around all the country, whether it's a swim jig that I want to shad or a bluegill right, or a football right. head based on those colors. So, right. Um, I'll, I'll even show you better ways to trim the stuff up when you're getting ready to fish them to make sometimes you want them to balloon and marshmallow um, mushroom out yep. sometimes you want them to teardrop and get real sleek and slender and i'll show you tricks to that listen this is something that i think is interesting i wonder if you've ever noticed it i always wondered why a a mop jig worked b a full-size jig worked yeah because if you put a jig in the water you know it's nice compact skirts up against the plastic and then you put it in like a fish tank at a fishing expo and the thing just goes poof right and you're like what well if you actually look at a crawfish you've got tentacles that are five six inches long on a two inch crawfish you've got six legs on this thing i mean it's there's a lot of stuff waving yeah. around beside the actual body and that gave me a lot more confidence to use fuller skirts on football jigs because it 
actually represents what they look like on the bottom. And I also wondered, well, why the hell would it something that's the color of a rock and look like a rock when you're not dragging it? Why, <laughs> why would you suddenly feel donk? Because well, those, it's because it's of always, that skirt. Yeah, it's always moving. It's all if you do it properly, it's always moving in the water. If you do it improperly, the jig's too bulky and it just clunks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't want to open up. It doesn't breathe. So you want it to breathe. Um, there's times when I'll do real sporadic skirts, even on spinner baits. I'll, there'll be like barely any skirt material, but that's a different issue altogether. So we'll we can deal with that. Okay, Stu, uh, with a question, he says he's from northern Kentucky. He's trying to learn the Ohio River near Cincinnati. Do you have any tips for that productive juggernaut of a fishery? Yeah, you gotta you gotta figure out. Okay, um, there's certain pools on the Ohio River that fish better in the creeks, and there are certain pools that fish better on the main river body itself. There's also times a year when the main river body fishes way better than the creeks. So as a general rule of thumb, in the spring, you're going to look near or in the creeks. Those fish are going to go off sooner. Um, you have to realize there's some fish on some of the bigger creeks and river systems that never really go back to the Ohio. They get up there and they stay there. Um, and then there's a faction of fish that live forever on the main river of the Ohio. Um, personally speaking, I like the main river stuff. It fishes better for me. Um, although I've won a ton of money up the creeks. Um, some of the creeks are silting in really badly now. And so the the spawning habitat for the largemouth isn't as prevalent up there as they used to be. So they're going to see, you're going to see more main river spawning behavior. Um, the main river, the main river is really susceptible to dirty water conditions. So you have to watch your, you know, the rainfall and everything else that's going on. Um, because when the, when the Ohio gets high and muddy, it's tough and, and it'll be easier to catch fish going up the creeks, but some of the pools don't offer enough of them to matter. So you're always going to be stuck on the main river system on some of these pools. Um, and understand you're not fishing for 25 pounds a day there. Um, it's just not that, it's not that prevalent anymore. You're fishing for, you know, a handful of bites, hopefully five. Okay, you, I, you know. we 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 struck a nerve with the skirt thing. Jay's Outdoors Adventures, heck yeah! I wire tie my skirts and it's a pain. I would rather use Uncle Frank's easier method. I have hundreds of jigs, uh, because I wire tie. And then JT saying, I noticed that the mouse ear collars help stay. I've noticed this too on the Eakins jig helps stabilize the jig on the bottom, especially on smaller ball head finesse jigs. Have you noticed yeah. that almost like a tripod effect? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the crazy enough thing is I used to hand tie my jig skirts too. We went into that on one of the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. um, I got sick and tired of having to carry so many skirted jigs in my boxes because then I would be, well, I lost two of this color. So now I got to tie them up. So I would have six or eight of every color and my jig box weighed 400 pounds and I had two of them. And I'm like, no, there's a better way to do this. Cause this is how I store my spinner baits too, guys. 
Um, none of my spinner baits have skirts on them. That's unusual, Frank. Well, it is, but none of them have skirts on them. I've got probably four or five spinner bait skirts that I really like. Um, they're separated in the thing. And, and I, when I fish Bassmasters, hell, most of my spinner baits never even had blades on them. I didn't put blades on them until I got there and saw the water conditions. And then I made them up as I was fishing. Um, that was a little anal. Now I narrowed it down to a handful of blade combinations and I just don't store them with skirts. Here's the other reason. Okay. They dry faster. They don't rust as much because your skirt material is not holding water. Your trailers all come off. After you're done fishing, that trailer comes off. If you pack them away with the trailer on them, all you're going to do is rust everything out because of the salt impregnation. So run through it. You're throwing a you're throwing a jig. It still has a good hook on it. You built it a yeah. couple hours ago. You're done fishing for the day. Right. So I pull the trailer off. I shake the jig out. And then when it's dry, I put it back. Do you um, take the skirt off? No, I won't because because I've already trimmed it for that jig. I've already trimmed it up and made it nice and pretty for that jig. So that'll be my jig of choice. Now, if I'm going to practice, I'll practice with that one. But I do one of two things. Um, I'll take a jig that can't be sharpened anymore because the, and the hook's no good. Mm -hmm. And I'll cut the hook off. Basically, I, I keep the shank straight with just, here, we'll just do this. Uh, here's how I do my practice jig. Just so, just so we're. Or AKA Frankie's jig. Yeah, or AKA my son's jig. Um, <laughs> so this is how, this is how I cut the hook. Yep. So when I put my soft plastic on it, now obviously there's no skirt on this. So when I put my soft plastic on this thing, it's got something to hold. All right. It's got something to hold. And I'll just put a drop of super glue on it and shove it up against the collar. And that'll become my practice jig. And then I'll fish that in practice till I wear the skirt out of it. And then, and then I don't have to use a good jig um, for practice. I don't have to waste one. Um, and that's what I do. So they'll, if you open my jig box, you'll probably see four or five jigs with skirts on them. And then all the rest will be no skirts on them at all. And then, and then I use those until they're no good anymore. And then they become practice jigs. But see, now I, I don't, I don't fish the tournament trails anymore. So now they're all. Yeah. You got, you got no need to be shaking them off now. It's no, there's no shaking. There's you no meet shaking. Uncle Jigs, Uncle Frank's jig and you meet uncle Frank. You, you meet him in person. <laughs> and, and yeah, the only shaking going on in my boat is when I get a big one. Cause I, I mm. still, I still get amped up and excited. Um, every time I get a bite, it's like the first bite I ever got. I'm, I'm just like, so amped up over it. Um, I'm calm in the boat. Mm -hmm. I don't get like, well, I, in fact, Frankie will tell you he, half the time he doesn't even know I got one on <laughs> until it jumps. Dude, you got, you were getting <laughs> amped on the crappie. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. Come on. I, it, come on, man. I I've caught more two pound crappie with you in, in, in two days than I have my entire life. 
All right. Doug wants to know uh, from Ohio, what baits to throw in 39 and low 40 degree water. That's pretty much just go back and watch any of the winter episodes for day four, right? Yeah, but it's pretty simple. I mean, I lean on the jerk bait, the flash mob, some crankbaits and jigs. Um, most pick, of the just time, pick three, like the three main ones that he was going to go out there. Cause I think you've, you've covered bait, it. Jerk bait, flash mob jig. Yeah. There you go. It's not like here the other day I went out. I just had two jerk bait rods out. Winter because, is a good time because like I've had four rods rigged in the garage and I fish four jackpots and all I've done is grab those rods and hop in my buddy's yeah. boat. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's super easy because you're literally, you're carrying enough tackle where you could probably hold with two hands one hand and then and your rod choices are real simple um you know and i i just don't make winter fishing complicated the biggest thing about winter is finding them um because they don't as you know from past winter shows um as the water cools the bass start to shrink their water columns that they're using so then you've got bass that are concentrated in a very like nine percent of the water column in the winter mm -hmm. they're they're like concentrated and if you don't find them you will not catch a single fish I mean, it doesn't um, matter what color jig you got doesn't matter you won't catch them but if you find them you could catch a fish even if you're doing the wrong thing or throwing the wrong thing you'll get a bite but you just got to remember in winter if you get a bite there's more fish there so you better start figuring out why you only got one bite you know what i mean all right uh i'm gonna save these jig questions and skirt questions because that is 100 going to be probably a top five show when yeah you, we're doing when that. you start building the jigs uh we're so we'll go to that. clay who will we'll make a little pivot here and he said what adjustments do you make when the fish are eating your spinner bait blades i've had a lot of oh. instances where i get my blades stolen in the spring yeah i i've had that happen a ton also um so what what i do first when that happens is i look at what kind of trailer i'm using a lot of times when they're stealing blades off of me i'll go to a, a trailer with more movement like a, a long thin swim bait or um you know, something with a hook tail that moves a lot like a big five inch grub or something that moves a lot i want them i want the trailer to become the star of the show. Yeah, I want the trailer to become the focal point when the blades attract the fish in. I want the trailer to become the focal point. Um, that's really what I do. Or sometimes you could change the skirt color um, and get a better bite with the skirt color. But if they're hitting the blades, that means they're following the bait. That means the bait's bringing the fit, fish to the bait. But your trailer's not doing its job. If they're taking the blade versus the trailer, the trailer, the the trailer's wrong. You got to switch trailers. That's good stuff. Uh, Stuart is saying, uh, Frank, I'm taking a trip to Lewis Smith the second week in June. Any suggestions now so I can start my research? So I guess don't even, don't even narrow it down to Lewis Smith. Just do it in general. You're a couple months out from a trip. What are some things that you can do now so you're ready? Prepared and better prepared when you do hit the water for that trip. Okay. So, so the first thing, first things first, you're going in June. 
So you look at the longitude latitude where Smith is. Um, now, is the Lewis Smith the one in in um, Alabama or the one in Alabama Virginia? was spotted bass? Okay, so so now you're going to know that in June when you go down there, the fish are done spawning. So you're already starting to gear up on what you need to look for on the lake map. Okay, um, you could go in and start researching all the local tournaments that happened in June for the last couple seasons, couple years. Uh, see what kind of weights they're catching. Um, and then you'll get an idea. If you look at the guy who, if you look at the first place weights all the time, that's a skewed number. That's not what you can normally expect on an average. So go down to like sixth place, seventh place, eighth place in those tournaments. That's your average. That's what you could expect. So if you're doing better than that, you know, you're going to be on the upper side. If you're doing worse than that, you know, you got work to do. Um, and then just go with your seasonal pattern routine um, for June and understand that when you get there, you may have to tweak it some. It might be a little ahead. It might be a little behind based on weather conditions for that season. So you just have to do that. But that's how I start all my research out, um, especially when I was tournament fishing. I wanted to know what I needed to make a top 10 and I, not, and I needed to know what the average fish was and then so I could gauge how good or not good I'm doing in practice. Jordan wants to know, when do you choose a trap versus a square bill versus a chatterbait? Okay. It's not necessarily, um, it's, it's not necessarily muddy, cold, whatever, whatever. Um, it's based on the fishery that I'm fishing. If okay. I, if like, if I like here, look, um, my rattle bait, fishing is very specific so i know if i'm fishing trap i mean if i'm fishing gravel points tapering banks um i'm trapping um if i go to and i there's a lot of blowdowns and what have you i'm going to have my spinnerbait and my square bill out and then the fish are going to tell me which one i need to be throwing uh they never lie to you uh, well, they lie all the time, but but the but the reality of it is, on that given day, um, I I've had situations where if you put the spinner bait down, you were a moron, and I've had mm -hmm. days where if you put the square bill down, you were an idiot. So the fish are going to let you know what's going on. Now, personally, be between us, I almost when I'm fishing blowdowns, I almost prefer a square bill. Um, just because it roots around, it ricochets, it does all kinds of stuff. Um, I've had phenomenal spinnerbait days on blowdowns, but I've had a lot more on square bills. Uh, just to go back to the trailer question where there's eating the blades, Clay said that's perfect. He usually uses a Fluke Junior as a trailer, which has no action. So Correct. He needs You needed to get something moving where the bass gets close to that spinnerbait, and he's like, it's alive, and that's what the part is I got to eat. Um, Have you ever had this issue? How do you stop your spinnerbait from tangling in your line every cast? Yeah, that's because when you're throwing the spinnerbait, it's rolling in the air. So you're getting basically your your rainbow in it. The, yeah, the spinnerbait's tumbling. Yeah. So to prevent the tumbling, don't try to whale a cast out there. Do it nice and let the rod load up and let the spinnerbait go. And it'll keep the spinnerbait 
the triangle blade of the spinner bait when you cast it'll keep it from tumbling and that that'll that'll do your thing um the other thing if your r bend is an open r bend that helps a lot but if it's a if it's a closed if it's a circle mm -hmm. uh, it'll tangle a ton of times because sometimes a spinner bait when you go to cast it out it flips on itself so open r bend is a little better than a closed one great question from steve when you're throwing a jerk bait uh do you keep your boat moving or do you jerk while the boat is stopped like how are you doing your okay. boat when you're throwing a jerk bait in the in the cold months okay so this good question yeah it's a great question this basically depends on the aggressive nature of the fish for that day or how much water i have to cover so i'm always i i when i make my cast i stop the boat in the winter time and i fish the cast without the boat moving but i'm moving the boat constantly i'm not sitting there in one spot making 50 casts the bass are going to let you know they're there i'm constantly moving but when i make the cast and i do my retrieve i want everything stationary because i'm not it's not warm it's not as the weather's warming up and you're too, 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 with the jerk bait too, 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 you know doing all that mm -hmm. it's i pull it down i twitch the rod tip i leave it there and leave it there and then i move it a little bit and leave it there and then do 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 with the rod tip and then leave it there um you're doing your cadence is very slow your pauses are much longer um as the water warms you start to speed all that up by the time you reach pre-spawn and post-spawn i'm hammering the jerk bait bang 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 just keeping it going keeping it moving even in the summertime on some of your smallmouth lakes you could fish jerk baits year-round I'm bang, bang, bang. I'm moving that thing. It's never stopping. Um, so you just got to be, you know, pay attention to what the fish want. But in the wintertime, it's slow and methodical. But you, but if you if you stop and you waste too much time in one spot, you can't cover enough water to find them. Once you find fish and you start getting bit, you can slow down and mill around in an area. Sean wants to know when he catches a fish, a spinnerbait gets all out of tune and whacked up. What is the mm -hmm. best way to tune your spinnerbait straight again? Okay, so however this it's just like a crankbait almost. However the spinnerbait's rolling, you just bend the wire the opposite way so it compensates and corrects itself. I mean, when a spinnerbait is tuned properly, it should be like a crankbait to where no matter how fast you reel it, it stays vertical in the water and doesn't roll or go over on its side correct well yes and no i mean i i have some that i have oversized blades on that i designed for super slow rolling um if i burn those in they're going to roll because the blades are moving too much water for the weight of the spinnerbait head um but your spinnerbait on on the retrieve that you're using should track straight it shouldn't be to yep. the side it should track straight this helps it when you hit something to bounce over it and more it, snag resistant. If you're if you're reeling it in and your spinner bait's all wonky and it's this is what drove me nuts about Jeffries. Great fisherman, enjoyed fishing. <laughs> Good angler, smart angler. Not saying he never was, but he left three inches on his tag end and he never. Whenever he was throwing a spinner bait, it'd be like five inches. It'd just be a straight 
freaking line. I mean, there's never any form to the spinner bait. He just, it drove me absolutely nuts. <laughs> I mean, the thing's like coming in on its side like a damn stealth fighter. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. dude, like cut the tag end and get that thing to where it's running true. Right. That's how it's designed to run. Right. So, so if you're, so you, the other thing is too, if you're, you know, it, it, it depends on blade size, head weight, and bulk of your skirt and trailer um, also. But, but like I, like I said, I have spinner baits that are designed for nothing but slow rolling. And that's a whole different story. I'll let you answer the toughest question of the day. Scott wants to know, you know, he does the index for the show. He's like, what are we talking about today? So I'll let you answer that question. What? <laughs> We're talking about toxic chemical spills, jigs. Yeah, it's a rates. it's a uh, it's a hodgepodge show today. I, I would say odds and ends. Odds and ends. Yeah, it's a it's a catch up show. Odds and ends. Questions from previous shows. A little bit of of brainstorming on shows that are going on. Some current events. There is no, you know, it's not like last week's where we really dove into something. Correct. Uh, Trey was wanting to know. Uh, yeah, that's the same thing you do with the buzz bait too. Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm just waiting. waiting yeah. How do that. you store? Uh, here's on. How do you store your buzz baits? That's a that's a good question. Okay, I'm on my buzz baits. I have my regular Plano box, and I have a long, just a one section that's longer, and I put the buzz baits in there so they're stacked, almost like chairs. Mm -hmm. You know how you can get the blades to lay on top of each other. And I just stack them that way in there. Okay. Um, no skirts on those either. No skirts on those either. No. Okay. I, I can't help it. You can't. It, it. It's just easier for me to go. And I'm just going to use this as an example. Oh, blue glimmer in this watercolor. Oh, chartreuse mm -hmm. and white in this watercolor. Oh, black for this. You know what I mean? It's just easy to do that. Jimmy Juice Newton, he said, hey, I just got on. I want to make sure Frank is safe from the Palestine ordeal. We've only seen a, <laughs> a, a slight twitch in his left eye a couple times. Exactly. It'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then uh, and then. He also said he also said under his breath that color doesn't matter. So clearly it's his oh brain is God. uh Uncle Frank, this is a good question. Do you speed crank in the winter ever? And if so, what is your favorite crankbait to do that with? I'm assuming he's talking about can you just do you ever fish to generate a reaction bite in the winter? Yeah, I do. Um, but most of the time up up here, I don't know how far south um you are. But, but up here, we're talking 38, 39 degree water temperature. Now, I've caught them on crankbaits, um, not burning them in, but snatching them through grass mm -hmm. or crawling them over rock. And it's the deflection that gets the bite. So as I, as I, if, if I crawl it over a rock and it comes over the rock, I immediately pause it for a second. And that's normally when the bite happens when I'm fishing it and snatching it through the grass, the minute I rip it through the grass, I stop it for a second. And that's where the bite occurs. Um, most of the time I have caught them just flat out, just cranking in the winter, but he not, said he's on Kentucky Lake. Yeah. So, so you're, you're similar, but not similar. Um, you can catch them cranking in the winter on Kentucky Lake. If you find them on, if you find them on some of those ledges, you can crank them there in the winter. Um, there may be better ways to catch them, though. 
So if he's on Kentucky Lake, he's close mm-hmm. to uh, Fast Bass Marine. Then. Which is who actually ended up getting you back on the water. Yeah, they actually fixed my boat. Um, and I am very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> and it was worth the uh, two trips of 16 hours to do yeah. it. Have you ever considered doing any guiding stuff, Frank? I used to back in the old days, and I am not ever considering it. Um, it's not your thing. No, I mean, I did. I did. The steelhead game was fun. It was fun guiding for steelhead. It, it was you're one on one. Um, you're you're down and dirty. You're wading in the creeks, you're wading in the rivers, or float boating them, and it's 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 kind of fun. Um, the bass guiding game got to be a little tricky for me back when I was doing it because um, I started taking only only businessmen that that didn't fish or didn't have boats so Um, they couldn't come back yeah because a lot of times our lakes are so small up Mm -hmm. here it's not worth it uh you give up one spot here and it's you lose it forever um you you can't do it so i quit doing it all right scott wants to know do you have a spinner bait that you like to use for slow rolling on the bottom where the blades still turn is there a specific slow rolling spinner bait that you use well yeah i mean there is but there's different conditions um, when I'm fishing, I'll just say from, from one to four feet, I do, I have a quarter ounce that I use, uh, when I'm fishing deeper than that, I'll go half and three quarters. So you're using the, you're using just the weight of the spinner bait to dictate how close to the bottom you're fishing correct. it based correct. on how deep it is. So That's you could correct. slow roll a th- three eighths or a quarter ounce spinner bait in four foot of water. Absolutely. 100%. And you're just going to match it to the depth. the depth. Okay. Because here you can't, if you had to, if you were going to slow roll a quarter ounce spinner bait in 15 feet of water, you can't keep it on the bottom. You're near the bottom. Yeah. You would have to use smaller willow leaf blades to keep it down. Right. But then you're defeating the purpose. Yep. You want to make a, you want a lot of vibration, a lot of, you know, uh, Take a couple more questions before we wrap this thing up here. This is a really good question from Ronnie. When you're dragging a tube, is it better to use a 60 degree, 90 degree on your jig head and then a vertical or a horizontal line tie? Okay. So um, the 60 degree is okay if you're wind drifting where you got your drift socks out, your boat's slowly moving and your bait's just ticking along the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um I find that with the 60 degree and the horizontal line tie, I'm losing my bottom feel with it because it wants to swim more. So that in that point, I'll go, you know, to the vertical and a 90. If I'm casting it, I'll go vertical 90. If I'm dragging it with the wind, then I'll, then I'll go 60. But um, for the most part, I try to get, you know, I'll go, I, I go with the tubes. I go as heavy as I can possibly go and just be bumping the bottom without driving it in the rocks. I just want it touching stuff on the bottom. And so it's mostly the weight, but I found the 60 degree, uh, horizontal it, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the same feel with it. Hey, here's a question that you can answer with one word. Does red or hot craw color work in Ohio? Absolutely, yes. I was two, but... Okay, yes. 
<laughs> or wait, absolutely. <laughs> either of those, either of those, either or, just not a combination. That's two just words. One or, you know, the red, the red, the red is the most mind blowing thing to me, um, ever, because realistically, the the Louisiana swamp crayfish is red and black. There are some reddish reddish colored um, crayfish in Texas. But red works in cold water periods all across this country, no matter where I'm at. And no matter how clean the water is, it works. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it just blows me away how that works. Frank, show 103, it's been, it's been a mellow show today. Uh, I've covered a, a vast array of topics. I do want to remind everybody, I have the Haynes Beefy Tea Day 4 loaded to the cork shirt. Uh, a lot of you guys have bought it. We've seen a lot of the comments and the and the deal. That is, uh, I mean, for lack of a better better phrase, that's that's how uh, Uncle Frank is probably going to pay for the boat and the motor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna cut out one of my kids' college couple months of college you're fixing to have one kidney here pretty soon yeah he's gonna my one son's not gonna graduate this year sell the kidney <laughs> on the black market but uh uh that is still available uh basszone.com shop btl uh that you can get the loaded to the cork stuff still and all the rest of the bass zone merch and then uh we are a week or two away well we got what is today the 16th um we'll have a yeah. show next week and then we're just like three weeks away from the Bassmaster Classic. So we'll have more uh, more info on where, because you will be there and I will be there. Oh, yeah. So we'll have 100%. more info on, on where, when, and what that you, can, uh, that you can come meet Uncle Frank at the Classic. And then as far as all of the uh, winners and all that stuff that we have done, giveaways on the show, all that stuff is out and sent. It's out and sent. It is out. Gone. Ready to be knocking at your door and get it. Good stuff. All right. Uh, like most people, I think we'll probably then transition over to either the BPT or the Elite Series, depending on what your flavor is. Or you can split screen both. Absolutely. Split He's screen both. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Frank, glad to hear your, your face from the plume. I'm safe from the plume. <laughs> and uh, a little hodgepodge show today, but this has been day four, number 103. Yay. With the man, Frank Scalish. We will talk to everybody. Well, I'll talk Still. to everybody Monday, but we'll see you next Thursday, Uncle Frank. Absolutely. Get back out on the water three, four I'm times calling. this week. You got the ride. I mean, you are locked and loaded. You're I'm fishing. Ready. I'm fishing. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to everyone next week. See ya.